Well, good evening. Welcome to Southeastern Seminary. My task this evening is to talk to you about why everything you learned about culture from the age of five is wrong. To be more precise, why it is highly likely that many of the things you learned about culture from the age of five are at least partially wrong. So before we begin talking about that, let's define uh, what we mean by culture. So when I say culture, some of you might think, first of all, of high culture. Maybe uh, Rembrandt's paintings or Beethoven's music. Others of you might think of popular culture, maybe your favorite songs or a Hollywood uh, movie. Others of you might think of something pervasively negative, such as the Bible's warnings against the, the, uh, the spirit of the age or against vain philosophies. I want to talk about something deeper, more fundamental, and, uh, and more comprehensive than those things. Culture is what results when God's imagers interact with God's good creation. So when we interact with God's good creation, we produce houses and cars, fashion, movies and music, art and science, politics and economics, business and education, um, homes, families, leisure activities, all of these things. So culture is a very comprehensive uh, concept, something that affects the totality of our lives. Now, throughout the ages, Christians have taken uh, many views about the relationship of Christianity and culture. I want to mention three. The first is Christianity against culture. Now, in this view, culture is viewed as inherently negative. I used to hold this view. Um, and uh, in, in a country like the United States, when we realize that our country is increasingly post-Christian and that many of the cultural elite, uh, we feel, mock us, and that Christians are, for the first time in the history of our country, uh, considered morally inferior, and sometimes morally reprehensible, I think one of our reactions is to have a collective anxiety attack and treat the church as either a bomb shelter or an ultimate fighter. So under the bomb shelter model of Christianity versus culture, we retreat into the church and it's a walled fortress and we try to escape from this evil and foreboding but nonspecific thing that we call culture. It's motivated mainly by fear. Other times we view the church as an ultimate fighter. And so this foreboding thing that we call culture, we determine to attack it and to view all of life, all of the time, as a fight. This is motivated usually mostly by anger. A second view is on the other end of the spectrum, and we could call it Christianity of culture. In this view, Christians view that culture as inherently good and can incorporate it seamlessly into their lives and into the church. But I want to give a third view that I'll call Christianity in and for culture, and this is my view. And this view is one in which we view culture as a mixed bag. We view it as structurally good and yet directionally corrupted, two concepts that I'll come back to in just a few moments. In this view, we live in the middle of culture and we, we seek to make culture, care for culture, and engage culture. We do it as a matter of witness and obedience. We hope that we might be able to transform culture and somehow win the day, but that's not ultimate for us. We do it as witness and obedience. Now, this view of culture is underlain by particular theological foundations or seen through a particular theological framework. Uh, and it understands uh, in a particular way the meaning of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration and the relationship between those plot moves. So let's talk about each four of those plot moves for about three minutes. First, the doctrine of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God called for something from nothing and he called it good. He created its imagers. He created humanity in the image and likeness of God and he gave them at least three commands, or three commands that I want to mention. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. That's a social command. He told them to till the soil. That's a cultural command. 
God wasn't you know, calling everyone to be a farmer. He was saying, I want you to take my good creation and I want you to change it. I want you to make something out of it. I want you to develop its hidden potentials. So that's a cultural command. And he told them to have dominion. This is a regal command. God was saying, I created everything. I'm the king and I'm gonna let you be vice kings under me. I'm gonna let you lovingly manage my good creation. And at this time, everything was good. Adam and Eve had a right relationship with God, with each other, and with the created order. But at the time of the fall, Adam and Eve sinned. They tried to seize what was not theirs. They wanted to be king instead of vice king. And when they did that, it corrupted all of their social, cultural, and regal activities. They continued to be fruitful and multiply, until the soil, and have dominion, but they did it badly instead of doing it well. Their relationship with God was broken, with each other was broken, with God's created order was broken. God's response from Genesis 3 on was to provide redemption, a redemption that came through Christ Jesus, through his life, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And that's a redemption that extended to humanity and to those who would believe, but it also is one that extended beyond humanity to the entire cosmos. Which brings us to our, our, our last plot move, which is restoration. The scriptures teach us in Romans chapter 8, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, Revelation 21 and 22, and in other places, that one day the Lord Christ will return. And when he returns, he will not carpet bomb his creation. He will not trash what he has made, but he doesn't make trash, and, uh, and he will not trash it. And so he will renew and restore his universe. And so the Christian life is not one in which we, wish, in which we want to escape from this physical and material cosmos or escape from culture. We may want to fly away, but if we do, we need to know one day we're going to fly right back. This new creation, this restored creation, is, um, is a profoundly and thoroughly cultural creation full of art and architecture and song and things like this. Now, in light of those four plot moves, I want to close by making four points. The first is that we need to learn to distinguish between structure and direction and base our cultural activities upon that. So, at the time of creation, God's creation and cultural activities that arose from it were structurally good and directionally good. So they're good in their structures in the fact that they existed and they were good in their direction and that they were directed toward God instead of toward idols. But after the fall, even though creation and culture remain structurally good, they are misdirected or corrupted directionally because we tend to direct our social and cultural activities toward idols instead of toward God. And so what we wanna do in our cultural activities is ask three questions. If you're in art or science, uh, business and entrepreneurship, um, politics and economics, scholarship and education, sports and competition, homemaking, whatever it is you're doing, when asked, number one, what is God's creational design for this realm of activity? And that's not easy to do because the Bible doesn't speak directly to most cultural activities. Second, we want to ask, what is the, what, what is the sin or idolatry operative in this, in this uh, realm of culture? Multiple uh, Patterns of sin or idolatry is operative. And then third, uh, how can I react, how, how can I act, interact, and react redemptively? How can I redirect what has been misdirected, bringing healing and, and uh, redirection to this realm? Number two, I want you to remember that we make culture, but culture in turn makes us. And so as we shape the world that we live in, producing culture, making it and shaping it, it in turn creates an environment that shapes us. So what we are dealing with here is nothing less than something that shapes our souls. Number three, we do this not primarily to win a culture war, not primarily to transform culture. We do this primarily out of witness 
in word and deed to the Lord Christ and out of obedience to take all things and bring them in submission to the Lord Christ. And third, as a preview of his coming kingdom so that our social and cultural activities give a watching world a glimpse of what it will be like one day when there is no more sin or consequences of sin. And then finally, what we want to do is recognize Christ's lordship over all of creation. His lordship is as wide as creation, and if it's as wide as creation, it's as wide as culture. So in our cultural activities, we want to proclaim him with our lips and promote him with our lives so that our lives will be socially and culturally a seamless tapestry of word and deed to the glory of the Lord Christ. Thank you.